What is up, my dudes? What is up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast broadcasting live on this Saturday afternoon. Um, we've got a jam-packed show coming your way. We're going to actually do things a little bit different today. Usually we do COVID update, uh, 15, 20 minutes commercial, two call-in guests, then sports update. Today we're going to just do a short intro in the first segment of the show. I'm going to run down to you what you could expect to hear in the next couple of um, minutes, heck, the next hour or so. The show's going to probably be about an hour or so long, um, a little more than an hour long. Um, and then we're going to get to our calling guest right out the gate, and then we're going to do a sports slash COVID update. The COVID stuff today is going to be very short because the state didn't issue new numbers, and not a whole lot has changed since we uh, last reported on Wednesday. So... Today we've got a jam-packed show. We've got Dr. David Elias with Ortho LA. Um, Dr. Elias handles sports medicine and sports injuries, and he's going to give a rundown to all of our student athletes who listen and all the parents of our student athletes. How can you stay safe? How could you, you know, stay injury-free? What are some injury prevention things that you could do? Dr. Elias is awesome. The interview is pre-recorded, so I know how it went. It was awesome, and he also touches on some COVID-19 stuff, you know, yeah, while he may be a sports medicine doctor, he is still a doctor, and he took, he talks to us about why masks work, um, why you shouldn't be hesitant to wear a mask, why, you know, if we all bought in and we all wore a mask, why the, the spread of uh, COVID would be slowed, so Dr. Elias talks to us about all of those things, great interview, look forward to uh, introducing it to you guys here in just a couple of minutes. After Dr. Elias, we talked to HOMA professional basketball player, Randy Brown. We've had Randy on. She is busy, as always, um, trying to find new opportunities. And Randy was talking to us about how Americans are going to be maybe um, not able to get as many opportunities in the future because a lot of countries are barring Americans from entering right now. So Randy's in in a unique situation. She just did a camp in Texas and then now she's um, in the process about to have an operation on her on her arm or shoulder. Um, she's going to get that rehabbed and, and she'll be ready to roll here in the, in the coming weeks. But we're hopeful that she could find an opportunity uh, because, you know, given the, the climate in the world, you know, these these overseas teams are not altogether enthusiastic about adding Americans into the mix right now because of our coronavirus problems here. So we talked to Randy about that. We also had an interesting Q&A with Randy. Randy's a unique person. She's very uh, well-spoken, very thoughtful in her answers. We asked her a bunch of random stuff. Fun interview. You guys are going to enjoy it. Um, We'll wrap up the show with a sports slash COVID update. We're going to give you some new numbers and some new things that are going on with coronavirus, but not a whole lot has changed since Wednesday, as we said. Uh, State didn't issue new numbers today, but it's a big, big day coming up on Monday. was the governor is going to make his decision whether or not we're going to move forward or backward or stay the same. Um, and then in addition to that, it all kind of blends into one similar topic. We're going to talk some high school athletics because, you know, the high school sports are so heavily dependent on what phase we're going to be in, this, that, and the other. And then for once, there's actually like a whole lot of stuff going on in the world of sports. So we're going to talk about how Tiger Woods is looking at the memorial out in Muirfield Village in Ohio. Um, the SEC, they've made statements about their upcoming football season. The MLB's one week away. NFL opening up training camp next week. Um, we got our sports betting blitz. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the, the WWE pay-per-view tomorrow. I'm going to make my predictions for all the matches, some of the things I'm expecting to see, some of the things I'm hoping to see. So we're going to have a pretty expansive sports update. Uh, looking forward to giving you that. But first, let's do this. Let's catch a quick commercial break. We're going to dive right in. I'm not going to you know make you guys wait through a 30-minute COVID update before we get into the meat and potatoes. We're going to catch a break now when we get back. Dr. David Elias with Ortho LA. Uh, great interview. You guys are going to want to listen to it all right here on the Casey's Corner Podcast on the FushiGazette.com. We'll be right back after this break. So today I come to you guys with some fantastic news. At a time in news media where everyone is shrinking their coverage, everyone is putting up paywalls so that you have to pay for your coverage, everybody is printing fewer copies of their paper and finding good, reliable news is harder than ever, we at the Lafouche Gazette are going the opposite direction. Today I'm proud to announce that instead of shrinking the number of papers that we print, we're expanding our coverage and we're expanding our coverage area. We're now going to have boxes in Northern Lafouche, in the Northern Raceland communities, in the St. Charles communities, and in the Thibodeau community. We're going to be doing the best that we can to reach every single household in Lafouche Parish and every single person who wants access to our newspaper in the physical copy and online will be able to get that. So thank you guys so much, very much from the bottom of my heart. And I know I speak on behalf of everyone on our team. Thank you so much for allowing this to happen. And keep reading. We are LaFouche Strong 100% of the time. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, Dr. David Elias with Ortho LA. Doc, how are you today? Doing good. How are you doing? Doing fine. Uh, we thought to have you on. It's, it's such an interesting time in the world and so much going on in the world of medicine. And, and you guys are involved heavily in sports medicine. Um, uh, let's, let's talk about uh, some things that, that, that you're seeing. I know that a lot of athletics are, are you know beginning to slowly open back up. Uh, in terms of uh, being away for such a long time and then getting back at it, what are some of the concerns medically and what are some things that young athletes should be cognizant of and mindful of here as we're kind of slowly opening the umbrella? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been some some strange times for all of us and and really un, unchartered time in, in, in my career and in most doctors' careers because we've never been told, hey, you just have to shut down practicing for two months and then and then you get back to work and things really aren't back to normal uh and as far as athletics yeah we see a lot of sports injuries not just from high school and 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 grade school athletes but also nickels but also just the weekend warrior and you know things definitely slowed down this is a time of year where we typically start to pick up right before football season uh, starts, uh, kids are doing, you know, you've got your baseball, all the summer sports. And so it's typically a busy time. And, and really right now we're not seeing a lot of sports injuries in the clinic. Uh, we do see some injuries that happen from people doing sporting activities, but Mm -hmm. not like we're used to, you know, there's no camps this year. So there's just a lot of, a lot of things that we're not seeing. And, as we start to reopen and let kids 
get back into their sporting activity. Well, you know, everybody's different. How many of these kids are truly in shape, right? What have they been doing for the last three, four months? And so, you know, I would, I would caution anybody getting back into a sport or any kind of activity, you know, start back slow, make sure you stretch, make sure you hydrate. Well, I mean, it's so hot outside now and, and don't just jump into the sport and the training for the sport uh, right away. You know, you want to make sure your, your body is not ready for this and you want to make sure you get back into it slowly uh, and carefully so that you don't just get back into it and start having all these injuries from, from lack of use. Uh, so that would be the main thing that I would, I would caution any athlete getting back right now is to make sure you get into it slow, get yourself back in shape and make sure you do proper nutrition and proper hydration. You touched on something that is is very common from my own experience. I'm 33 years old. I'm getting older every day as everybody else is. I like to play golf and go and be active. And whenever I was 17, 18, you know, 21, whatever it may be, I could just get up off the couch and, and go and hit a golf ball. Now, if I do that without stretching, I'm going to be tied up like a pretzel for the rest of the day. Talk about the importance of stretching and, and making sure that you're physically prepared for that athletic challenge that lies ahead. Yeah, uh, wait till you get 40. It gets worse. <laughs> but uh, but certainly, uh, you know, depending on the activity, you always want to try to try to incorporate uh, a, a pre-stretch regimen into whatever you're doing. Uh, you don't just, even if you're lifting weights, you don't just go put 600 pounds on the bar and deadlift. You, you work up to it. And so doing a, a stretch uh, before you do an activity is very important. Um, just like, uh, you know, depending, uh, depending on the activity you're doing. You know, you mentioned golf. Usually you don't just run to the first tee uh, and, and, and hit the ball. You try not to do that unless uh, sometimes we do that because we're rushed. But right. uh, it is important to do your stretches and, you know, it, you know, don't just concentrate on your upper body. Remember your lower body, your back, and, and your core is very important. You know, everything starts with your core. So having a strong core is very important in really any activity you do. What are some of the more common injuries that you guys see, be it, you know, the high school age you know, guy, be it, you know, the, the average adult? What are some of the more common injuries that you guys see on a day-to-day basis at your practice? Yeah, I mean, it certainly depends on the age group and the sport. Uh, in football, obviously, you see a lot of collision injuries, um, which can be shoulder injuries, knee injuries. Shoulder injuries in, include clavicle fractures, AC separations, uh, and then shoulder dislocations. Uh, in knee injuries, you can see ACL tears or, or MCL tears. Uh, and then in the non-contact sports, you see a lot of non-contact injuries from, from, uh, you know, for in, instance, a cheerleader or a female basketball player, male basketball player, you get a lot of non-contact twisting injuries. So you're landing from a jump and, and the knee buckles and you can tear your meniscus, tear your ACL. Um, in the, in the weekend warrior, you know, you do see a lot of muscle, uh, tears and sprains and that kind of what we talked about earlier from maybe from just not stretching you go 
try to do an activity that requires running, jumping, you tear your hamstring, you tear your calf muscle. We see that a lot in, in a little bit in the older weekend warrior athlete. Uh, we get a lot of rotator cuff problems also in the weekend warrior. Um, it's more of a chronic injury. You get chronic impingement from doing a repetitive activity, whether it be working out, doing pull-ups, push-ups, things like that, or it can be from doing something like swimming, uh, other overhead sporting activities we may do, or any kind of throwing uh, activity, too. causes a lot of uh, rotator cuff problems, can be just tendonitis uh, or impingement-type problems, and, and as, as you get older, you start to see more rotator cuff tears that require surgical, uh, that require surgery. Very good. And you touched on this a little bit earlier in the interview, and I'm going to ask you about it directly now. In terms of the, the push for, for heat safety at this time, I mean, I'm currently looking at my television screen right now, and it says the heat index outside is 110. I mean, that's ridiculously hot. Um, and a lot of times athletes want to say, okay, well, Whenever I feel thirsty, I'll start to drink or, you know, whenever I go to practice, I'll start to drink. But, you know, and as well as I do, that's not the case. Like you have to hydrate well in advance of this or it's going to be too late. Talk about the importance of keeping up with your hydration so that you could beat off the, you know, the, this terrible heat that we have in Louisiana. Yeah. And look, I learned this from my, we, we, we're like carpenters in orthopedics, but I, I learned this from all our, our great trainers that we get the privilege of working with around the area at all the high schools, uh, Thibodeau High, Jerry Blackwell, and then the Thibodeau Regional uh, Medical uh, Sports Medicine Program, uh, Larry, Dan- which is led by Larry D'Antoni, and uh, you know all the other trainers that we work with around town. They- they're the ones that are always drilling hydration, and it seems so simple, but if you wait till you start getting cramping, it's too late. So. They'll, they'll tell their, their, their athletes, if you know you're doing an outdoor activity, then it starts the day before, really the night before. You should be drinking a lot of water. And then you want to do add liquids that have electrolytes in it. Gatorade, Powerade, Pedialyze is probably the best thing you can drink. And, and certainly the, the morning before an activity, you, you want to drink enough fluids to where really it makes you feel like you have to go use the bathroom. That's that's when you know you're drinking enough. And then when you're doing the activity, you want to also take breaks and hydrate in your breaks, even if you're not thirsty. Uh, really important. And again, it's not just water. It's making sure you drink something that has electrolytes in it. Very good. And one of the things that I find the most interesting, doctor, and, and you could talk about this as, as well as anyone, is just how much this has all changed. Like I remember even back when I was a kid in the nineties, like an ACL was like, okay, that could potentially end your career. Now guys are coming back from that routinely. Um, just talk about the advances in technology. Like the point I'm trying to make is you guys are so much better at what you do now than 20, 25 years ago. And then even beyond that, like the field has advanced so much. Talk about how much more uh, capable, capable and able to, to heal people you guys are today compared to in the past? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of techno- you know, technology constantly changes. So we're always looking for a better way to fix anything that, that, we, that we take care of. Uh, and, you know, for instance, ACL, you know, when, when I was in high school in the early 90s, you tore your ACL, you got a big incision, a big open procedure 
And now we're doing everything arthroscopically. So, you know, that's one thing that's changed dramatically. Same with shoulder dislocations. You know, over 20 years ago, it used to be a big open procedure. Now we're doing everything arthroscopically. Arthroscopically doesn't necessarily make you return to your sport faster, but it makes the recovery easier and it makes the overall uh, outcomes a little bit better. Uh, Also, uh, another thing that's changed is technology. You know, the way we fix things, the 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 way the graphs that we use the 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 technology we use to add to a fixation to whether it be ACL or or to a, a shoulder dislocation or rotator cuff repair you know the the anchors we use the material that the sutures made of all of that has changed and and continues to change and I, I think that makes us feel better about getting athletes back not only quicker but but feeling better about um about their repair and feeling like we have a stronger better repair for them to go back and and do the things uh that they were doing before so you know unless someone has a severe injury that that causes you know irreversible cartilage damage uh you know we expect people with with to, to get back to return to play hopefully to their normal level that they were before they injured themselves and in terms of, um, you know, let's say an, an athlete has, you know, a, a, a broken arm and it requires surgery or whatever it may be, whatever the injury is. Um, I know a lot of times the instinct is, OK, whenever the surgery is done, then it's kind of over with. And I just sit on the, the sofa and I wait for it to heal. But that is absolutely not the case. There's so much that goes into rehabbing and strengthening the muscles and getting your flexibility back to our younger listeners who may you know, someday experience an injury, what can you tell them? Because the injury itself and the surgery itself are just one part of the, the, the recovery process, but you've got to do a whole bunch of work on your own as well to make sure that you get back okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, I always tell my patients, I, my job is the easy job. Uh, it's the patient and the therapist and the trainers who have the real job. And that's, that's to recover them. You know, I may do a one-hour surgery, but if that patient doesn't go to rehab, three days a week, up to two hours a a visit and do their home exercises, then they're not going to have a good outcome. You know, we are only as good as our therapists and trainers. You know, our results are only as good as the the motivation of our patients. You know, we, so we depend on the post-op therapy uh, and the, and the, and the motivation from the patient to, to do it. And then we'll have this talk before surgery with most of our patients. You know, we will tell them that this is what to expect. And, 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 you know, you think of a, of recovering from an injury, like a, a particular preparing for a football season or a basketball season, you know, you're, that's what you're doing. You're trying to prepare yourself for the next season. And if you don't do a, your job, then you're going to come back and risk re-injury or risk just not being as good and strong as you could be. Very good. And, and you know, general question in terms of um, how the, the coronavirus has Im- impacted you guys. I know you said that there was, you know, slow down and that, you know, you guys weren't allowed to do quote unquote elective procedures or non-essential procedures. Um, and now that things are reopened again, how's that kind of changed your business? Or, you know, is there, Fewer people in the lobbies, fewer appointments. I guess talk us through how how your business has changed. 
Well, yeah, definitely when the, the virus first was and the shutdown was first introduced, everybody had certainly had this fear factor and, and it was because fear of the unknown. We didn't know if our hospitals were going to be overwhelmed. We didn't know how sick people were going to get. We didn't know who was going to be more vulnerable to the to the to the virus. And so we did what we had to do. You had to shut everything down. You had to wait and see. And, you know, it was probably everybody you hear multiple opinions and political opinions and this. But I think, you know, the 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 right thing was probably done early on because the hospitals locally, they they did get pretty busy. And and the last thing you'd want is not to be able to help the, the patients as they come in. And again, the fear of not knowing you had to be prepared um, for the unknown. As things started to to get better, and you know, certainly this the the quarantine, home quarantine did work. Things slowed down, uh, and I think this area was was one of the hot spots initially, because of probably because of Mardi Gras and international festival like that, where you have people coming from all over the world, and it kind of spread out to to, to to not just New Orleans, but to to our region. So I think that's probably why we got hit a little bit harder and faster than, than the rest of the country. Um, and then at some point, yes, you realize you, you start to understand who are, who's getting sick. Well, how does this affect hospitals and how do we do treatment, all of this. And at some point you got to reopen the economy too. You can't just let the economy, uh, uh, die while you're, while you're, while you're, you know, taking care of sure. of uh, a patient. So certainly the the way they opened it in a phased fashion is probably the smartest thing. You're not just going to open it up and say go back to normal. And and I think you see it now. You know, we, we're seeing a little spike in our region. We're seeing a little spike. You're hearing about more people getting it. And I think that has to do with a lot of things. One, you've got more testing. I mean, we're definitely testing people. You know, if one family member gets mild symptoms and tests positive, well, now to be safe, sometimes we're testing the whole family. And I don't personally deal with this. I'm not uh, a, a primary care doc or infectious disease doc, so I don't. I don't. I deal with my patients that 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 get it, and it's around us. But I'm not treating the patients who get the virus. But you know, I think we're seeing now that we've reopened stuff. Uh, you know, people going to big, bigger gatherings, people going to Florida uh, or, or to the beach and, and getting a little looser. I think you're seeing now you're, you're starting to see a little spike. And uh, and I think that's now why you're seeing the, the state kind of taking a step back instead of taking a step forward. You know, now they're requiring masks to be worn. They're they're, you know, not letting people go to bars. And, and now they're. They're keeping gatherings, I think, to 50 people. So they've kind of went backwards a little bit uh, because, again, you know, you don't want to see a surge and then hospitals get overwhelmed. Uh, I think we are seeing a lot of people get the virus who have very minimal to no symptoms, which is a good thing. Maybe maybe the virus is, is getting spread more around and now it, it it's not as as potent as it was a few months back. You know, there's all kind of theories on this, but but you know, you gotta you certainly hear these stories of of young 
healthy people getting very sick. And so, you know, everybody has respect for, for what the coronavirus has done to our community. And, and, uh, I think you still definitely were at a stage where you have to respect what's going on. You can't just, you can't just, uh, forget about it and get back to your normal life. And I think that's why you're seeing some of these changes. You know, our clinics now are finally getting back to the speed that we were at, but we're still being very careful. We're not letting a lot of people in the waiting rooms. We're trying to keep people six feet apart. We're trying, if people don't need to have somebody with them, we're asking them to come alone instead of coming as a family. Uh, and that does create some problems. You know, sometimes they, you know, making a medical decision is a family decision. So sometimes it's nice to have the whole family in the, in the, the, the doctor's office, but we're trying to prevent that unless people are elderly or if they're minors, then that they can bring one person with them. You know, we're wearing masks when we're in contact with the patients. We're asking our patients to wear masks. Uh, we're washing our hands. But try to wash it before and after seeing patients. So we're trying to do our part, and I do think it does help. Uh, so it allows us to be able to to treat the patient with not only urgent orthopedic issues, but non-urgent orthopedic issues, and 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 not have to put it off. You know, it it, it even the non-urgent issues, people are in pain. They want to come get taken care of. So I think as long as we do our part with the things I just mentioned, I, I think you're not, you're not going to see any, any, uh, any issues with getting a spike or an extra spread with the virus. Very good. And the, the last question we have for you, it, it's, it's talked about all over social media and, and people are debating it and, and you're in the field. So you would know as well as, as, as anyone out there, why is it that wearing a mask is helpful? Because I think it's ridiculous all the conversation of, you know, people saying that they're not going to wear them. I think that's nuts. So tell us now as a doctor, yeah. why is it that these things actually do help? So, I mean, it, you know, you see a lot of physicians put this on, whether it be social media or talk about it. When we do surgery, you know, we're staring at an open wound. The last thing we want is the germs from our mouth contaminating our wound. So we wear a mask. That's why we wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's no doubt. I mean, I don't think it, it, uh, I don't think it's debatable. I mean, if you wear a mask, you are certainly preventing the, the microscopic particles from your mouth, whether you're coughing, sneezing, or just breathing from getting exposed. So it does decrease the, the amount of spread of any germ from your mouth. So, there's no doubt that wearing a mask does help. Uh, I think there, there's, there's some people that think it's, it's, if you wear a mask, you're a hundred percent safe. Now that's not true. Particles still get out of your, out of a mask. And this is a, a proper mask. You know, a lot of people are just wearing cloth masks, bandanas, and still that, that does prevent the amount of particles from your mouth from getting released. But, you know, I see it a lot of times and, and I think I'm guilty of it too. You know, you wear a mask all day long, nobody's going to keep the mask on properly. So not only wearing a mask, but it's also being proper, wearing the mask properly. You know, sometimes I'll have patients come in and 
they're pulling that mask on and off, touching their face twenty over twenty times in a visit. <laughs> and and that's not necessarily safe, right? You're 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 touching. So, you know, wearing the same mask for thirty straight days is probably not a good idea. So it's important to change your mask frequently. Also wash if you're doing a cloth mask, wash it. You know, wash it daily. Um and 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 you know, as as hard as it is Try not to touch your face a hundred times just because you're watching, wearing a mask. And it's still important to wash your hands a lot, even though you're wearing a mask. But I don't think there's anybody's going to show a study that shows that not wearing a mask is, is, is as important as wearing a mask. You know, I think it definitely makes sense if, especially if you're in large crowds and you're within six feet of people uh, to wear a mask. And, and you know, I, I don't, I've never been one to criticize someone in public for not wearing a mask. And I've never been one to criticize someone for wearing a mask. I think people have to make a decision. Everybody's decision is, is, is based, everybody's decision on how they react to this virus is kind of based on their, their home situations, you know. If people are living with people who are immunosuppressed, cancer patients, elderly people, people with chronic medical diseases, then yeah, wearing a mask is, is important to them and other people wearing a mask is important to them. And some of those things they, you know, they have to get out in public to do certain things, but, but you also got to be careful. If you're one of those people, don't go sit in a bar and, and go to, you know, socialize if you're worried about someone in your your personal home space uh but but i do think it's also important just proper things too when you're in public try not to to even though you're wearing a mask uh don't try to still do your six feet social distancing if you've got a cough or you're sneezing don't go out in public even if you do have a mask on it's just it's, it's probably not smart to do that so there's a lot of things you can do on top of a mask uh, to, to help this. And, you know, we're all still sitting here hoping that that something happens. Either, either this virus loses it, its power over time as more people get exposed, or hopefully there's something, a safe, a safe treatment of it, you know, in the near future. But it's certainly affecting our lives, and I don't think anybody sees anything changing in the near future so we're going to have to be prepared uh to to live like this at least you know through the through the fall and winter no doubt about it well look dr Elias, i thank you so much for the time keep up the good work you guys are doing making such a a great difference and uh, we look forward to doing this again soon okay yep thank you for having me on yes sir great stuff and to all you anti-mask people out there um now if you're going to tell me that you're not going to wear it that's okay, but you're going to have to be going against the, vi- the advice now of a local doctor in the process of doing so. Uh, so proceed at your own risk, I guess you could say. From now, uh, one update about the world of medicine. Now we go to the world of sports, and coincidentally enough, a COVID survivor, Randy Brown, had COVID-19 very early in the pandemic. She's a professional basketball player in the home area. She joins us in the next segment of the Casey's Corner podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. We'll be right back after this quick break with a great interview with a great young lady. Hey, guys, I know it's a commercial break, but it's me again. But I want to tell you guys a big secret. 
I know how you guys could get the news in Lafouche Parish, the hottest news, all the things that all your friends and all your family members are talking about first before everyone else. How? By getting the Lafouche Gazette app. Go to your app store, get the Lafouche Gazette app today. You'll get push notifications right to your phone anytime anything breaks, anytime anything exciting happens, anytime there's anything going on in Lafouche Parish that people are talking about. We're going to be talking about it and we're going to send it right to your phone. So go to the Lafouche Gazette app, find it on your app store today, download it 100% free, 100% news, 100% local, 100% all the time. Download the Lafouche Gazette app today. Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaCruzGazette.com. Joining us now on the phone lines, we have HOMA professional basketball player Randy Brown. Randy, this is your second time on the show. How are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you? Doing fine. Doing great. Um, interesting time in the world. Um, you know, there are so many things that are still shut down and we're trying to reopen things, but you know, now Terrebonne Parish is announcing their schools are going to be pushed back and for you as a professional basketball player, I know you went to a to a scouting combine recently. How did that go for you? Um, it's, I don't know. It's weird to not be leaving to know that I won't be leaving in August because of everything that's going on. Uh, really, I've been keeping in contact with my agent, but everything is just like we like they're not now. It's like they're not letting Americans into certain countries, so that's just the biggest problem right now so um i'm not even sure when i'll be going back overseas or if i'll even be going back overseas so well this year anyway i mean that's got to be awfully frustrating to know that i mean hey you've only got a certain amount of seasons and you know one of those seasons may be completely washed and it's not because of a physical ailment it's because people aren't cooperating with things going on in the world i mean i'm sure it's got to be a little bit frustrating yeah it's very frustrating just um, and a lot of people have been asking, like, when are you going back overseas? And I'm like, so there's a whole pandemic going on. So how do you want me to go back overseas? Like, why are you asking me when I'm going back overseas? There's like a whole pandemic going on. Um, so those questions is just like, okay, like reminds me that I'm not going back overseas like right now. But and it's just like that's my job. I work like other people go to work every day. That's my job. So. Uh, it's just tough because now I have to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do for work? What am I going to do now? Since, you know, that may be off the table for a few months or for the whole season, you know, so. And then the, the other edge to that sword is, okay, let's say you do get a, you know, a, a quote unquote regular job. Um, you're going to have to then find extra time on the side to stay active, to stay in shape so that if an opportunity comes, you're you're ready for it. I mean, that, that it sounds like uh, your schedule is going to be kind of getting pretty busy here in the next couple of weeks. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and like that's the hardest part, really, because um, just just finding just having a job to where it, my my hours are flexible enough to where I can still work out and I can still go do this and do all the things I need to stay in shape and to stay healthy and things like that. So that's really like one of the toughest parts about getting a regular job. Uh, when I'm not in season, so. I understand. Uh, 
told me recently, you know, some some physical things going on, and you may or may not be, you know, having some an operation planned. How's that going? How are you feeling? And talk us through that. Um, everything's fine with that. Um, the surgery is actually on Tuesday, next Tuesday. Um, so I'm just looking forward to getting that uh, out of the way, so I can get back to normal and things like that. Uh, it'll be a quick procedure, so. Uh, so really just focusing on recovery and getting back on the court as soon as I can when all of that is finished with. Very good. And, and in terms of uh, one question that I always like to ask people in your position is you're out in America and, and you, you fly to, you know, these places in faraway lands and you're, you're meeting with people who are speaking different languages and eating different foods and are have completely different cultures than we have in Southeast Louisiana and on one hand, I'm sure at first that was probably very intimidating for you. But on the other hand, uh, I know from speaking with you about it, it's something that you really like. Um, what is, you know, talk to us about what that's like to to literally be, you know, meeting all types of different people and all types of different uh, countries and in different places. It's fun. Uh, just being around so many different people is fun and in the different cultures and seeing how different the world is outside of America. It's, it's definitely a learning experience. Uh, just, I try to learn some of the language everywhere I go. Um, pick up a few words and things like everywhere I go. But for the most part, like when I was in Finland, I still have teammates uh, that I keep in touch with in Finland. And when I was in Morocco for the tournament for two weeks, I still have a teammate that I keep in touch with from there and things like that. So I enjoy meeting new people, and it's crazy because I'm not really a people person, but um, meeting new people and keeping in contact with the people that I meet is definitely uh, fun, and it's a great chance for me to get to know and meet new people, and I enjoy it, and I think they enjoy meeting me and being around me as much as I enjoy meeting them and being around them. So, Is it different um, because, okay, in high school, you're playing and you're having fun and, you know, you're with people that you know and you're scoring and, you know, you guys are winning games and y'all want to stay championship. In college, it's kind of the same way. You know, it's the same core group of girls. You've gotten to know them. You probably know some of their family members and, and everything was going well. Uh, but overseas, it's a little bit different. You've not met any of these people. You're not familiar with any of these people. And, oh, yeah, if you don't play well, you're not going to get another opportunity. So, like, just talk about, I guess, the pressures of playing basketball as a job. Yeah, so, like, many people don't really understand that, uh, and it's, this is what I try to tell any uh, female that asks me for advice about playing when when it's their first year. So a lot of people don't understand when you get on the team, your job, being the American on the team, you're most likely, most times, you're the best player on the team, most times. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, um, do everything, but sometimes it does. But they do expect you to score. They expect you to get all the locals involved. They expect you to do all of these things. So like that, that's already a lot of pressure in itself. And then if you don't do these things, and if and then if y'all are not winning and you're not doing these things, they will send you home because you're not getting your job done. Unless the team just financially cannot afford another American, they will send you home so fast. Like the team I was in. The team I was on in Iceland, I was the third American they had on the team. And it was the same with a few of the other teams in the league. 
they, they, if you don't do your job, if you're not winning, if you're not getting your job done, then they're gonna, they're gonna send you home. It's not gonna be, oh well, you just had a bad game, and no, like they give you like two, maybe three bad games, and then if you're not doing what you need to do, then they're gonna send you home. Um, so and it's different. It, it's hard being put into that environment when you don't have any experience or any chemistry with any of the team. So you really just have, especially in the situation I was in with Iceland, um, I was, I started playing with them like mid-season. So that was tough because I had no experience, no chemistry with the team at all. And they had no chemistry with me either. So it was hard trying to be the person that they brought me in to be when um, it was like, I guess like as a, as a team and everything like that, since I was, it was like, we didn't trust each other. So that's tough being thrown into that situation. It's not as bad when you're put into a situation and you have that month and a half that you're with the team before you start playing, before you have your first game like it was when I was in Finland. Because uh, I got the Finland in September, early September. I was in Finland, and then we didn't have our first game until October, like mid-October. So we had like a whole month and a half to practice with each other before being in the game situation. So we had kind of had that team chemistry and things like that, but it's still tough. It's new people you have to learn. And then, especially when you go to different teams every season. So every season, you're with different players. Every season, you're with a different coach. Every season, you're with different personalities and different ways of how people play and different styles of play. So it's, it's tough, but that's just a part of the game. It's going to be in a professional, having to learn stuff faster. And every um, every step in basketball teaches you how to get there. Uh, in high school, basketball is a little slower than college. Every every um, step you take every in playing basketball, it gets you prepared for that. And especially in college, it gets you prepared to be on the next level if that's what you choose to do. Now, along those same lines, um, in terms of you know you as a player, okay, so let's say you guys are in the third quarter, and you got four points, but you're winning by eight or nine points. In high school or college, hey, it's a no-brainer. You know, we're winning. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. But on the pro level, like, you want to kind of get some buckets too. Not not saying that in a selfish way, but you also want to make sure that you're getting some stats and some recognition and some numbers too. Let's talk about trying to balance those two things because, yeah, you don't want to be a selfish player, but at the same time, it is a business, and you do want to get your numbers. Talk about how you juggle those two roles. Yeah, so anytime I would have a game where I would have like maybe 15 or 14 points, my agent would be like, well, we need to get your numbers up. But then you have, it's, it's different, you know, like when you get to the pro level, it's not all about scoring. Um, teams, teams don't just want you to score. They want you to be an all-around player. So I've been focusing on my defense and getting my teammates involved. So if I had a game where I had two, twenty points and – um, like eight assists, that was a good game for me. You know, like so as long as the team is pleased with what I'm doing, of course I wanna get my stats, of course I wanna have, you know, twenty plus points every game. But if I still have fourteen points, ten rebounds and five assists, that's still a decent game. Like that's still a good game for me. And being and becoming uh a player and like being the player I was in college and like now being 24 and being getting a little more mature in the game is like you have to learn that you're not always going to have 30 point games which is fine but as long as you have a solid game that's also fine and 
I had to learn that because I would be hard on myself. In college, I was averaging 27 points a game. So, and in high school, it was like the same. So I had to, but I was doing a lot of scoring. And in college, I was doing, I was only doing scoring. In college, I wasn't playing defense as well. Um, in college, I couldn't guard my shadow. <laughs> and in college, I wasn't like averaging 10 or at least five plus in anything really other than scoring. And I feel like that didn't make me an all-around player. But then this past season, I'm averaging over 25 points. I'm averaging about five assists. And I'm averaging, you know, over five rebounds a game as well. And I'm also averaging about three steals a game. So then now I'm becoming more of an all-around player, which is more of what I want to be. Like, averaging 27 points, that's fine. But if I don't have everything else to go with it, then I feel like that's more of, you know, I won't get looked at as much as well as if I would if I had more of an all-around game. So just learning that in itself really means I'm growing as a player uh, on on the court because before I would literally be devastated, but it's like, it's okay. At, at the end of the day, it's you've had 50, over 50 games with 20, 30 plus points. And if you count, you, if you go through it again to count, you've had maybe 10 games of less than 20 points. And you've had over 50 games of more than 20 plus points. So, you know, every game is not going to be a good shooting night. Every game is not going to be the best game. And then when you come to terms of that, you realize that. Then you realize that, you know, the bad game that you have, just just don't, like, I don't say I care about it, but watch them, see what you did wrong, and then go from there. And then get, uh, work on what you need to work on is to get better. Uh, it makes no sense to, I don't know, soak over a bad game that you didn't have your, your average when there's another game to play. So, I mean, that's just how I look at it now, and that keeps more pressure off of me because the more I think about, oh, I have to score this amount and things like that, the more I put more, it's more pressure on me, and the more pressure I have on myself, I don't play well. So I just try to, like, keep as much pressure off myself as possible and then just go from there. And then a lot of people don't understand. You can have 30 points and, you know, how many, but how many shots are you taking? So even if I have a game with 14 points, if I took – five, six shots to get those 14 points, that's that's a good percentage. Like, that's efficient. I feel like now I'm getting to the point in my game and then to the point in my career where as long as I'm being efficient, I'm fine with that. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Now, we like to have fun here, and one of the things that uh, I like to talk to you about all the time is things that are not related to basketball per se. So I'm going to ask you to open up a little bit, and we've got some random questions for you. And the first question I'll ask you is, if you would not be an athlete, what would be what would be your career choice if you were not an athlete? I think my career choice would probably be a nurse. Okay. Okay. Uh, very good. And next question, um, I answered this question recently on a podcast episode. What do you think is the most overrated Louisiana food? Uh, I'm not even sure because they don't like Louisiana food. Uh, <laughs> dang, that's a tough question. My answer was king cake, by the way. I love king cake. I love cake in general, though, but I like king cake. Um, I don't know. That's that's tough. If I'm if I'm saying, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Is white beans Louisiana food? I hate absolutely, white beans. yeah, yeah. You could say that. That's absolutely Louisiana food. Yeah, white beans. I don't understand why people try to put white beans in everything. 
Now, along the flip side of this, anybody who follows you on social media knows you're a big Red Beans fan, correct? Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite food. Okay, very good. Next question, if the game is on the line and the rim is guarded, meaning you can't shoot a layup, what spot are you shooting from to win the game? Uh, so, if we're down by two, I'm going for the win, and I'm shooting a three anywhere I can get a three off. If we're down by one, Sounds like a winner. Okay, next question. What is more painful as a basketball player, missing a wide-open shot or playing great defense and someone still making a contested shot on you? I'm going to say missing a wide-open shot because when you have – when some, some people are just – because I know there's people that have played really great defense on me and I still, like, make the shot. But then you just have to respect that I'm a good player as well. Okay, very good. What is something about Randy Brown that most people at home don't know? Most people don't know that I am named after my dad. Okay. My dad's name is Randy with a Y. Okay, very good. Okay, I didn't know that. And I mean, I know you pretty well. I didn't know that. Um, next question. Besides, of course, America, because we know your aspirations are to play in the WNBA, what country would you most like to play in? Um, actually, my top three is Spain, Greece, or Italy. Okay, very good. And, and, and that's in terms of, you know, scenery, or is that because those leagues pay well, or a little bit of both, or what are some of the scenery, reasons? Scenery, oh, also, uh, I would also say France. That's my, that's my top four. Uh, as far as pay, I would want to go to, like, Israel or something like that. Israel or China, anywhere in Asia. But, um, yeah, definitely top four as far as scenery, like Paris or um, Paris. What did I say? Paris, Greece, Italy, or Spain. Okay, very good. Um, strangest thing about the overseas culture that you didn't realize would be so strange before leaving? Yeah, like what? Uh, when I was in Iceland, they had sheep heads. Oh my goodness! And whale fat. And they were trying. Oh, they were eating shark too. They were trying to get me to eat that. And, and I, I noticed. I noticed you said trying to get you to eat that, meaning I don't think they were successful. Yeah, no. no, I'm not eating whale fat or shark. <laughs> okay. I'm a very picky eater. Very good. Um, what is Randy Brown's dream car? My dream car is a 68 Mustang, all black, red in the inside, red, red, all black on the outside, red interior. That's like, this, I feel like this is something that you daydream about because you were very specific and you gave an answer very quickly. <laughs> that is my dream car. Okay. 68 Mustang. Very good. Um, this is going to be a challenge. Describe your basketball style in five words or less. Okay. I feel like I'm a tough, and I'm not even being cocky. I feel like I'm a tough player to guard. 
because I still because like, I've been told by many coaches that have played have to have, that have had to coach against me um, that a lot of times their whole game plan is focused on getting me out of my game and focused on um, getting me just. I would also say relaxed too because as much as I've heard that that's been their game plan, they've also said that that's really tough because I'm a hard player to rattle. Like, I don't show much emotion. Like, um, if things doesn't go my way, I just find a different way to get it done or things like that, you know. So, I would say that. Okay, very good. Now, I'm gonna. Uh, this is gonna be a tough one for you because I know that you like tennis shoes. I know that you like sneakers and all that good stuff. If you could only wear one more pair of kicks for the rest of your life, and I'm not talking about what's the most comfortable that you'd be able to play in, just in terms of design or what sneakers nearest to you, what would that one pair of sneakers be? Any type of low top Jordan one. That's my favorite shoe. Uh, the Jordan one. Okay, very good. Yeah, that's a great answer. I actually have a couple of pairs of those myself, and. Randy, before we let you go, um, I, know, I know you said you went to the the combine recently, and and uh, you kind of talked about how the countries aren't wanting to let Americans in. I mean, do you have any sort of insight into you know a timeline of when this thing might be getting better for you? Are you looking at the fall? Are you looking at twenty twenty one? I guess talk us through your timeline. I have no idea, honestly. I'm looking to be as soon as I recover from surgery. I'm looking to be heading out, honestly. So hopefully. That soon, uh, sooner than next year, but you know, you never know. So I don't know. I'm just, just trying to stay in shape and stay, uh, keep my skills sharp so I can be ready for that. Very good. Well, look, thanks so much for the time and, uh, we look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Okay. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. It's always a joy whenever you could see someone grow seeing someone mature, see someone blossom into their skills. And I've known Randy since she was a an eighth or ninth grader at Central Catholic High School in Morgan City. Um, she was always a very nice, thoughtful, well-spoken kid. Um, I knew when she signed with UNO that she was going to do big things because she is better than a quote-unquote UNO-level player. She was an SEC talent. She was uh, a, a player who I knew was going to succeed, and she did. One of, if not the best, women's basketball player in the history of that program. So I'm so happy for her successes. And um, she's an interesting person and uh, has an interest in, in doing a little bit of media stuff. And then you never know. We, we may be doing uh, more and more podcast-related stuff with Randy here in the coming days. And uh, just be on the lookout for that. That may be a spoiler. It may not. Uh, but just be on the lookout for that. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFouchGazette.com. We're going to catch a quick commercial break when we get back. A whole lot of things going on in the world of sports. Uh, the LHSAA is waiting on Monday. We're all waiting on Monday to see what Governor Edwards has to say uh, about our phases and our reopening and all that good stuff. Plus, um, Tiger Woods, uh, MLB, NBA, uh, we'll talk some WWE, all that and more on the next segment right after this break. Did you know that on LaFoucheGazette.com, we generate 1 million page views per month? Yes, that's not a typo. That's not me reading it wrong. That's not me selling you a bill of goods. We generate 1 million page views per month. That's 1 million times someone is on our website clicking their mouse and saying, hey, I want to read that. 
Did you know that our website, LaFouzeGazette.com, generates more than 200,000 individual users per month? There's 97,000 people in Lafouche Parish. We generate 200,000 viewers per month. We reach just about every single household in Lafouche Parish and even beyond. Contact us today for advertising and sales rates. If you want to get your business seen in a tough economic time, I promise you, if you invest in LafoucheGazette.com, your ad is going to be seen, and it's going to be seen by every single person in Lafouche Parish. Contact us today and get involved. 985-693-7229. Help us help you. We're all in this together. We're all Lafouche strong. Fitting music, the theme music of Bailey, who is the are one of the best wrestlers in the world at this time. We're gonna talk a ton of WWE in this segment. On the back end of this segment, we want to thank our two call our two calling guests, uh, Dr. David Elias with Ortho LA and, and Randy Brown, a local professional basketball player. Um, two great segments. And now we move towards somewhat of a quasi sports slash uh covid update here not gonna do a whole lot of covid stuff um gonna just kind of read through the numbers and get in and get out pretty quickly we're gonna talk some sports um and a lot of the sports has to do with covid so we're going to just kind of merge the two updates into one 88,590 total covid cases in louisiana 3,399 people have died um, 1,413 in the hospital with COVID ailments, 161 on ventilators. Uh, for Lafouche Parish, um, the news is, is a little bit better. Um, what I mean by that is though our total cases are rising now, 1,842 total, uh, 91 people have died, but we've only had one death in like two weeks in Lafouche. Uh, so our death rate has slowed down. That's wonderful to see. And another thing that has slowed down is our overall state hospitalizations. Um, we're, the numbers I'm giving you are based on Friday's update. Um, the state didn't issue an update on Saturday. They're no longer issuing updates on Saturday. Um, so the, the, the thing that I think is maybe a sign, and I, I don't want to you know blow smoke up anybody's rear and tell you guys to sound the alarm and, and call off the dogs, but for... Three or four days in a row earlier in the week, we were adding 50 or 60 hospitalizations per day, okay, uh, per day. But in the last three days total, we have only added around 50 hospitalizations. So our rate in growth in our hospitalizations is slowing down tremendously, uh, which hopefully is a sign that we're kind of changing the momentum around a little bit. And even better than that is that in our specific region, which is region three, and I'll pull up the specifics here so that I don't tell you anything wrong. In our region, region three, our numbers dropped from 63 hospitalized on uh, July 15th 
down to 49 hospitalized on July 17th. Um, so we have seen a drop in our region, Region 3. Um, so hopefully, uh, by the grace of God, hopefully uh, we're slowing this momentum and hopefully we're getting things trending in the right direction and we could maybe start to see some sort of semblance of uh, reversing this momentum and getting things back the way that they need to be. And one thing that's worth noting is that for as much as we're inclined to panic and fear, um, I'm reminded that in April, um, everybody was saying doom and gloom, doom and do- gloom, doom and gloom. And then like two or three weeks later, our numbers fell off a cliff. So when you get that momentum in your direction, things could turn around pretty fast. Um, and that's why I think the whole idea of, you know, not masking is so frustrating because like if we just did it and just tried it, then we can maybe reverse momentum very quickly. Um, we did it in April from, from late April to early June, like our numbers fell off of a cliff, um, from 2,100 hospitalized to 540 hospitalized in like 45 days. So it can be done. It has been done before. Now it's going to be a matter of if we could do it again. Uh, and I'm confident. I, I'm confident in the people of Louisiana, though I may gripe and, and grumble here on this podcast. I am confident in the people of Louisiana. So that's our COVID update. Two days worth of numbers coming tomorrow. And we'll just see how it goes, I guess. Um, and, and we'll hope for, you know, a, a continued slow in those hospitalizations, if not, you know, beginning to start to decrease and getting that momentum going in the right direction. Our Sports update is going to be heavily intertwined with COVID, so we wanted to just merge them into one. Everybody's waiting for Monday. Everybody is waiting for Monday because Monday is the day that the governor is going to decide whether or not we're going to extend phase two further, whether or not we're going to go into phase three, whether or not we're going to revert back to phase one. I don't see phase three happening. Um, We're just not there yet. I see an extension of phase two, if not an outright phase one. I'm leaning towards an extension of phase two. Um, But the reason why this is relevant to athletics is because so much of our high school athletic picture is dependent on what phase that we're in at at a given time in the world. So uh, actually today on the Sports Corner, which you could hear every Saturday on ESPN 100.3, my good friend Stan Gravois and I uh, host that show together uh, every weekend. We had uh, on a Mr. Eric Held president of the Louisiana High School Coaches Association. Um, Eric and I talked about, um, or Eric Stan and I rather, talked about some of the things that the LHSAA, the LHSAA are studying, some of the plans and provisions that they have in place. Um, and from what I understand, they remain committed to fall athletics. Now, how realistic that is, I don't know. And I think that we all kind of understand that for that to take place, we've got to jump forward into phase three. So that's why everybody's kind of on pins and needles waiting to see what happens here going forward. Um, so one thing that Mr. Held said is that plan A is to just go forward. You know, no restrictions, no nothing, just go forward. Everything starts as scheduled. That would be ideal. Now, is that realistic? At this point, I don't think it is anymore um, because Lafouche and Terrebonne, for instance, have both already shut down their workouts have both, you know, already kind of postponed things, put things on ice as cases rise. So I don't think that's realistic. A second plan is going to be um, fall sports going off without a hitch, but abbreviated schedules. You know, maybe pushing the start of football back to October the 1st or, you know, back to September, you know, 25th. I'm just making up a date out of the air. 
And then instead of playing a 10-game schedule, playing a 7-game schedule, whatever it may be. Uh, that's on the table. Um, and then the last plan, the plan that the state wants to do the least but is now considering doing, which is something that they hadn't done in the past, they hadn't even considered this before, is the plan where you take the spring sports, move them to the fall, take the fall sports, move them to the spring. And, and I was once the guy raising my hand saying, hey, that sounds like a winner. That makes a lot of sense. I'm now not in favor of that plan whatsoever for several reasons. And it's just a product of me just physically listening to coaches, listening to student athletes, listening to uh, principles and it just the more information I learn about it the less good of an idea it sounds like it's going to be um, so for instance um, let's say baseball goes first baseball and softball goes first and we start in mid-september and then let's say there is this second wave that comes in the fall which I don't hear about anymore because I think that it's happening now to be honest with you but let's say there is this second wave that comes our way. <laughs> Then baseball and softball are going to have to get their seasons canceled again for a second straight year, and I think that'd be terrible. I think that'd be absolutely wrong to do those kids. Um, they, they, were the, they were the ones who had to suffer the most the last time. I'm not comfortable asking them to be the guinea pigs this time. I'm just not. I, I'm just not. And the second reason is scholarship ramifications. Like, if the, the football season's in the spring – and it's after National Signing Day, like, the best players in the area are not going to play. Like, Mason Smith, a five-star defensive lineman at Terrebonne High School, is not going to play a snap of football at Terrebonne, knowing that he's already signed, already, hopefully, you know, signed with LSU, but signed somewhere. Um, he is not going to play a snap for Terrebonne High School, knowing that his future and his future earning potential is based on being able to play, and his next spot is already sealed, um, he's not going to play. And, and not only is he not going to play, and I'm, I'm speaking for him, I don't know for sure that he's not going to play, but I'm just saying it would be a conversation worth thinking about. Hey, like, I got my spot punched. I'm not going to risk blowing out my knee and you know, maybe missing my freshman season because of this. Um, so I think some of your better guys who already have their spots you know, clinched at the next level would consider opting out. And then what do you have? I, I think that that would be a disservice. And then for the, the 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 third reason is one that no one is is really contemplating or thinking about. And I give credit to some of the coaches that we spoke to today on the Saturday morning show for planting this seed into our minds is that if you move football to the spring and a guy blows out his knee, tears his ACL, let's say that player is a junior. Well, if we're looking at doing football in the spring of 2021, and then also in the fall of 2021, then that player who bl blows out his knee in the spring will miss two consecutive football seasons because of that injury because now the calendar is condensed and now he doesn't have time to rehab and recover and get better from that injury. So there are just a lot of things about that flipping the seasons thing. And, and you know that's not even talking about how we would have to ask student athletes to pick and choose which sports they want to play and uh, you know, basketball would be left in the weeds often uh, because of this. I'm, I'm just not a fan. I think it would cause more issues than what are otherwise needed, and I'm just not a fan. But that's where we are at high school. We're waiting on what the governor comes with on Monday. Um, if you had to put a gun to my head and tell me 
what is he going to do? I think we're going to extend phase two further. Um, I don't know that it'll be four weeks further, maybe two weeks further, uh, maybe three weeks further. I don't think we're going to go back to phase one. Um, but I certainly, given the data that we're seeing, don't think we're going to go to phase three either. Um, but we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll certainly see how it goes. It'll be interesting indeed. Um, PGA Tour, um, I'm not even going to talk about my PGA Tour picks this week. You could flush those down the drain. They were not very good. Um, well, you know what? I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to give you a rundown. I picked Dustin Johnson this week. Dustin Johnson didn't make the cut. Um, didn't play his best, did he? He was really struggling this week, and uh, he didn't have the sauce, so to speak. I also picked Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson is doing a little bit better. Let's see if I can find Bubba Watson here on the leaderboard as we're scrolling around. At the Memorial, Bubba Watson is currently, let's see, tied for 26th. So, yeah, not bad, not great. For a sleeper, that's actually not bad. And then I also picked Rory McIlroy, who's in a tie for 13th. So, I mean, we did better, I guess, than what I would like to give myself credit for. Um, but we could have certainly done, uh, certainly done better. Uh, because our champion, the guy that we picked to win the damn tournament, didn't even make the cut. But no one's interested in my picks. No one's interested in what I think. Everyone's interested in how Tiger Woods is playing. Tiger Woods is currently tied for 38th by the end of the day with the way the course is playing. Guys are going to come backwards. He's probably going to be closer to the top 30 by the end of the day. And for Tiger, it's, it's frustrating, man. Like It's frustrating to watch because all the talent is still there. Like, he played well on Thursday. He played well today. He played awful on Friday. The only thing that was different between Friday and, you know, the the Thursday and Saturday rounds is that um, his back, his back, you know, just physical ailments. On Friday, he just couldn't physically do it. Uh, he looked ginger. He looked tense. He looked stiff. He, he couldn't swing. His You know, his club head speed was way down, and that's just where we are. You know, when he could string together, if he could ever string together four straight days where he feels good and he's loose and and everything's going well, he's going to be a threat. When he doesn't, he's going to struggle. And it's going to be ugly watching him struggle because he's going to look hurt and he's going to look broken. And as a lifelong fan, I mean, that's that's painful to watch. Um, Now, one good thing is that, you know, the upcoming events, PGA Championship coming up soon, it's a summer tournament. Uh, you know, the temperature is going to be warmer, and, and that should be better to keep him loose, keep him fresh. Uh, but I just don't know how it's going to go going forward. We've got a Masters here in the fall. I mean, that's going to be cool and chilly, and that's not good for a person with a tight back. So I think that Tiger's going to be just kind of a, a Brock Lesnar-like attraction to the PGA Tour. We're going to see him every once in a while, and it's going to be entertaining. But I don't know how successful he's going to be um, over consistent periods of time, just because I don't think, you know, when you wake up and, and some days you got it and some days you don't, that's a tough place to be, especially over a four-day tournament, 72 holes. Now, if he could make the most of those bad days, he'll, he'll still be in contention sometimes, um, but I'm just not sold on him being a, a, a serious, serious, you know, prize golfer, especially with some of the young players now that are out there who are doing their thing and who are playing at such a high level, including some of the guys right now who are on the top of the leaderboard. Tony Finau leading uh, 10 under par. He's on the back nine. John Rahm, one shot back. Ryan Palmer, uh, one shot back. So that's at the Memorial. We're going to be 
watching Tiger closely tomorrow. Hopefully he could have another good day. Hopefully he could push into the top 20 and, you know, get him some FedEx Cup points and all that good stuff that they're playing for there. Let's see what else we got on the agenda. A busy day in Baton Rouge a couple days ago. Mike Pence was in town and Coach Ed Ogeron uh, was speaking with the vice president. What a what a whirlwind. Like, has there ever been anyone who's reached a lower low in their professional career than Coach Ed Ogeron that who then later ascended to a higher high? Like, has anyone's distance between peak and valley been more drastic than Coach Ed Ogeron? What I mean by that is like, the dude was a laughing stock at Ole Miss. He was a guy that everyone around the country made fun of because of how he talked and all these horror stories about how he's ripping his shirt off and threatening to fight people in the locker room and all the weird things. And if you read the book, Meat Market, which if you're a college football fan, I highly recommend you read it. But that'll go into some of the things that he was doing there at Ole Miss, trying to stay afloat. And like there were very, very um, smart people who follow college football very closely who would have been willing to bet a lot of money in 2007 when he was relieved of his duties at Ole Miss that he was never going to be a head football coach in the SEC ever again. And now it took a lot of work. It took a lot of adjusting and quite frankly, took a lot of luck, you know, to have the USC situation to go the way that it did to where he had an opportunity to be the interim coach there. That took a little bit of luck to have the less smiles thing go the way that it did to where he had an opportunity to be an interim at LSU. That took some luck to have the Tom Herman contract negotiations go the way that they did to allow the LSU job to kind of be backdoored in his favor. That took some good fortune. But however it happened, it happened. And now he's built LSU into a very powerful program. And now he's in the last five months, six months, he's been to the White House, meet with President Trump. He's meeting with Mike Pence. He's, you know, making coronavirus uh, prevention commercials for the, the governor of the state of Louisiana. Dude's on a whole nother level, and he's recruiting tremendously. LSU's rocking and rolling, and his high is still ascending, and his valley is so far away from where he is now. So happy for him, especially with him being a local guy and all that good stuff. But that's all uh, aside from what with the point of what we're talking about is Coach Ogeron told uh, Vice President Pence that he believes there needs to be football for the country, for the lifeblood of the people of Louisiana, for the lifeblood of the people in America. Amen. I 100% agree with that sentiment. Um, I really believe this. I really believe that in the next 21 to 28 days, we're going to be in a place in America that is going to be so drastically different than where we are now that it's going to be hard to recognize where we are now 28 days from now. And let me elaborate. Let me explain. Right now, I think some of the rebellion regarding cooperation with some of the, the COVID restrictions and regulations has to do with the fact of, A, of course, there are some people who are just downright ignorant and stupid. I mean, that that's part of it. I'm not going to deny that that's part of it. But I think there are some reasonable people out there who are not overly enslaved by their political values, who are just 
over the idea that, that this is this is unescapable, meaning that you hear about it on the news. You see it when you go to the Walmart, you know, because you got to wear your mask and then you get home and you're already frustrated and you're pissed off and then you put on your TV and it's a story about another, you know, COVID situation. So, you know, you try to get away from it and you go on Facebook and you see articles about it and there's nothing else to talk about right now. But I think that in the next 21 to 28 days, when we have the resumption of the MLB season, or not the resumption, the beginning of the MLB season, which will start on Thursday. Then you have the start of the NBA season on July 30th, which is you know less than two weeks away. And then the open up of NFL training camps, which will be next week. And as we start to have more and more and more distractions and more and more and more things to uh, to escape ourselves in. Because you can only watch so much Netflix. You know, we all were doing okay at the beginning because we all had Tiger King to watch. You know, we all had different things that we could zone out into. But we've all, we're all out of shows. You know, I, I watch The Young and the Restless every day. Guilty pleasure. They're out of episodes. They're showing reruns. You you can only watch so many reruns of Catherine Chancellor, Victor Newman, and and Cricket, and, and, and Lauren, and all that. You can only watch so much of that. People are tired. There's no escaping. And I think that now that in the next three to four weeks that we're going to have that escape and we're going to have those places that we could go and hide and, and hide our attention and hide our mental capacity into something else besides being bombarded by, by this COVID, the more that we have that, I think the more people are going to be able to exhale a little bit. And if you could just take that anxiety level that we have, which may be at an eight right now on a scale of one to ten. If we could drop it down from an eight to five, then people are going to be happier. People are going to be, I think, by and large, less combative. People, I think, are going to be, by and large, more willing to cooperate, more willing to participate in in doing the right things. And I think that we're in a position now where, knock on wood, we got to pray that this is the case. If baseball and basketball could go on without a hitch and without any type of serious uh, setback or any type of serious situation, I think literally the landscape of our country is going to be different. The mood of the people in our country is going to be different. The tone and the conversations of things shared on social media will be different. And we're going to be looking at life completely looking different than what it does now. And I think th- th- that little bit of taste of normalcy is going to be so good for so many people. But hell, man, th- th- this snuck up on me. Like the MLB season is like about to start. I know that we broke down the divisions and made our predictions in the last show. Didn't realize how close we were to it actually happening. Like this season is about to start. It starts on Thursday. Um, a couple of little tidbits about the MLB. The Blue Jays were denied the ability to play in Toronto for the upcoming season. Um, Canadian government being super duper uh, strict in their you know, restrictions. They've got a travel ban. United States residents can't enter Canada and they didn't want to bend the rules, whatever it may be. So the Blue Jays will play for one season in Florida. Not a big deal. Uh, there's no fans anyway, so the Blue Jay fans aren't really going to be missing out on much. Uh, but that's one note. Now, another note that is worth uh, focusing your attention on is on Thursday, we're going to give you a rundown of some of the first games. Uh, they're actually, actually, before we talk about that, there are exhibition games that are going to be going on from now until Thursday, including some of them that are on national television. So there will be some semblance of sports here on television here in the next couple of days. 
I know that there is a Yankees-Mets game tonight on TV. There's going to be, you know, a Cubs and White Sox game uh, tomorrow. So we're getting back to, to normal pretty quickly. But on Thursday, we've got the Yankees at Nationals Park taking on the world champion Nationals, Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer. I mean, who doesn't want to watch that? Who doesn't want to watch that? That is must-see TV, two of the best pitchers in baseball, two of the best teams in baseball. That is going to be something that everyone's going to be looking forward to seeing if you're a baseball fan. And then the nightcap is Dodgers and Giants. I mean, those are two of the best. Are they were two of the best? One of the best rivalries in baseball. Uh, Johnny Cueto for the Giants taking on Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Then the next day, Friday, which will be the twenty fourth, my Braves. You got Mike Soroka versus you know, Degrom. Uh, that'll be at, at City Field. Uh, let's see some other good matchups. We've got. Uh, let's see, Twins and White Sox, that's interesting, Pirates, Cardinals, Mariners, Astros, and everybody's Astros fan down here, uh, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be so awesome to be able to, after a long, hard day's work, fighting with people on social media, and, and reading, and, and writing, and reporting, and listening to all the things that are being said, and, and covered, and it's, it's going to be so awesome to be able to fade my attention into an Atlanta Braves game. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. And then I'm even more excited about the idea of there being NBA on top of that. I'm an even bigger NBA fan than I am an MLB fan. Can't wait. It's going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to be uh, so exciting. The NFL is opening up training camp. Um, That is going to be happening in the coming days. Uh, We'll see how it goes. The NFL has released some of their plans and provisions for their pandemic protocols and i'm going to read this straight from an espn story uh let's see the legal mandate that team buses cannot be more than 50 percent full so there's going to be more busing teams and players are being told that they will not be allowed to leave their hotel rooms to eat in or otherwise use restaurants that are open to the public that sounds like a wise move uh let's see teams may or uh, might not make use of public or private transportation to or in other cities, meaning everyone has to travel on the team plane and or bus. While at the hotel, players and team personnel may not be visited in their rooms by anyone who's not in their traveling party, and no one in the traveling party may use shared hotel facilities such as pools or gyms unless they have been disinfected and are being used only by the traveling party. Uh, some more COVID guidelines involve, you know, teams will not be able to share water bottles, um, Let's see, uh, players will be asked to go home and isolate quarantine immediately once they feel symptoms. Uh, There will be contact tracing involved if a player tests positive and all that good stuff. Education will be given to players about COVID and how to stop the spread of the the virus. Now, NFL is going along the lines of the MLB. NBA has a bubble. I think the NBA is going to be safe. They're isolated in a space. I think they're going to be safe. MLB is not having a bubble, um, and they're traveling, you know, home games, away games, whatever it may be. Um, now, NFL is going the MLB route. They're not isolating teams in a common area, as it'd be physically impossible to do. Um, and then they're going to, uh, you know, just just kind of do testing throughout the week and, and try to keep guys safe. Here's the thing that I want to stress, okay? And and I know that. There are a lot of people saying, oh, you know, why in the hell are we doing sports at this time where everything in the world is is, is going crazy? I hear those concerns. Um, 
But from the perspective of an athlete, A, there's a ton of money to be made. Let's just be out front. Let's be honest, out front with it. There's a ton of money to be made, and it's too much money to be left on the table. That's just honest. You know, I, that's just the, the, the reality of the situation. Second thing is, like, these guys are going to be okay. Like, these, these professional athletes, COVID-19 is a virus that it, it impacts and attacks your lungs. But if you are a trained professional athlete, you're not at any risk. Like if you, and I shouldn't say at any risk because certainly anything could happen. But we've heard all these stories now of dozens and dozens and dozens of these athletes in football, basketball, baseball, whatever it may be, who have tested positive. We've not heard of a single instance where anyone has had such severe complications to where they had to be hospitalized. None, zero. And nine times out of 10, the, the, the positive test is an asymptomatic carrier with these athletes because they are in such great physical condition. They're young, trained lungs. They're going to be okay. Now, where I would have more of an issue with this is if, you know, there were uh, huge testing shortages and they were taking tests away from states and, and sick people were not being able to get tested while these NFL, NBA, and MLB guys were getting tested, but that's not happening. Like I, I hear those arguments on social media. I just don't think they're valid. Like the state of Louisiana this week was offering people who are asymptomatic free McDonald's, which is the, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. A department of health is going to offer you to eat the most unhealthy thing imaginable to get a, an asymptomatic COVID test. But as long as we're just throwing tests in the air and giving out free Big Macs and, and Whoppers and, and large fries and, and, soft drinks on the side, then we can't argue that we're out of, of anything yet. And, and we can't argue that these people are taking tests away from the general populace so long as we're, you know, bribing people who are asymptomatic to go get tested. So I think that, that the, the return of athletics, while it's not going to be ideal because some people are going to test positive and some people may have issues and there may be setbacks and yeah, they are taking tests and whatever it may be. Just the the mood of the country is going to be so much better that that alone, in my opinion, makes it worth it. Um, and I just hope that it could go off without a hitch because we so desperately need it. Like I thought that my Facebook wall was annoying during football season when everyone was calling for every single coach in the world to be fired. Give me that any day of the week over what we have now, which is people who barely graduated high school claiming to be doctors and claiming to know more than doctors. Give me fire coach guy any day over masking a stupid guy. So if we could if we could get that back in, in, in shape, you know, that would certainly be certainly be a plus. All right. So now we move to a more fun topic, which will be our sports betting blitz. Uh, we're going to have our next two NFL teams in our betting blitz. We're going to begin with, well, heck, both teams are actually in the AFC Central today, which I think is going to be a loaded division. Uh, and we move to our Cincinnati Bengals. And I say our Cincinnati Bengals because you know, our guy Joe Burrow is now the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are over under five and a half. Ah. <sighs> It would have helped if I did a little bit of preparation. Uh, let's see. Cincinnati Bengals. Let's type in the schedule here on on um, on Google and pull it out. On the surface, I want to say under just because I think that division is loaded. 
But depending on what the schedule says, we may think otherwise with the Bengals. Let's see. Cincinnati Bengals, we're going to read through their schedule here. They're starting out with the Los Angeles Chargers, then Browns, Eagles. Uh, yeah, their, their schedule's tough, man. Um, I'm going to go under, but I'm not going to go under by a lot. I don't think it'll be 2-14 and 14 or 3-13. and 13. I'm going to say right on the button, 5-11 and 11 for the Bengals. I think they're one year away from being one year away, <laughs> if that makes any sense. I think that they're still a little bit uh, back. But I think Burrow's going to reinvigorate that, that organization right away. I think he's going to spark life into that organization right away. And I think that they do have some weapons. They're going to be exciting. Just don't have enough pieces together just yet. So give me 5-11 and 11 for the Bengals. Uh, the next one, the Cleveland Browns, eight is the total. See, I'm conflicted here, man. Like, I'm conflicted. The Browns were 6-10 and 10 last year and were a mess. But I think that they were a mess because they were woefully coached. Um, they got rid of their coach, got a new coach. They've got a talented roster. Um, but I'm just not sure if Baker Mayfield's any good. Um, he looked good as a rookie. He was awful last year. But he's got weapons, Austin Hooper, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Like, they've got weapons all over the damn field. They should have one of the best offenses in the NFL. You add Grant Delpit into the secondary, Denzel Ward, Oliver Vernon, Miles Garrett, like, Greedy Williams. Like, they should be loaded. Um, eight wins in a tough division. What the hell, man? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice, and I'm going to regret this big. Give me over eight for the Browns. I think the Browns are going to have a winning season. I think that they were poorly coached last year. Um, they got rid of some of those problems. Baker Mayfield's going to turn over the ball a little bit less this year. Give me, give me over for the Browns. Give me nine and seven. Give me ten and six for Cleveland. Um, I say that reluctantly. I'm not confident in that. Uh, but give me over for the Cleveland Browns. So. Now we move from our betting blitz into some WWE stuff. If you're not a wrestling fan, you can go ahead and, and turn off your phone. <laughs> this episode is done for you. We're going to spend the next 10, 15 minutes making some picks because there's a WWE pay-per-view coming up tomorrow. It is the horror show at Extreme Rules. Uh, this is one that I've, I've poked fun of whenever it was introduced. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm now kind of somewhat excited about this. I think that this is going to be a pretty good show. There's a lot going on on the show that I think is is going to be interesting to watch, intriguing to watch. And I'm curious to see how it plays out. Um, we're going to go over the card. It's an eight-match card. Um, and we're going to make our picks on who we think is going to win. And maybe, uh, you know, if, if, if what we think should happen is different from who we think is going to win, we may kind of do a, a little bit of self-booking, I guess, so to speak here to kind of map this one out. So um, first and foremost, I think that what we should expect to see tomorrow with the horror show at Extreme Rules is I think this is going to be a heavily produced show. I think that when you look at eye for an eye match, um, that's going to be very produced, uh, very, you know, obviously pre-taped. Wyatt Swamp Fight, heavily produced, pre-taped. 
Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus bar fight, heavily produced, pre-taped. Um, so I think that WWE is becoming, are embracing, you know, that, hey, there's no fans. We could get creative. We could do some different stuff. And, and we've seen that a little bit. Some of it's been good. Some of it's been bad. The stuff that's been good has been really good. The stuff that's been bad has been really bad. So curious to see how those, those things all shake out. We start Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus in a bar fight. I I don't care. Um, the best part of the match will be whenever it's over with. Um, I, I didn't like the the feud to begin with. I don't like that it's continued into the future. I don't think Jeff Hardy holds much value anymore, um, and especially not when you're you're dragging him down by his hair, talking about all of his struggles and his alcoholism and all the different things that they've done in this feud. And Sheamus is hot garbage, one of the worst wrestlers of this generation. No one cares. Um, so while I think it's going to be intense, while I think it's going to be stiff, and I don't have any doubt that they're going to beat the hell out of each other in this match because both guys are not afraid to to work stiff. It's just not a storyline that appeals to me. Um, why WWE continues to go forward with it, I don't know. Uh, but that's the, that's the one on the card that I'm looking forward to the least. I don't care. Um, Sheamus won the last time, so I'm going to go Jeff Hardy going over this time. Uh, but I, I'm not going to be paying any semblance of attention to that one at all. That's going to be where I'm going to be going and, and making my dinner for the night. The New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston will be defending their SmackDown Tag Team Championships against, against Cesaro, easy for me to say, and Shinsuke Nakamura. That will be a tables match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. This one has a chance to be pretty good. Um, Cesaro could work his his butt off. Shinsuke Nakamura could work his butt off. Uh, we know what the New Day could do. Then you add the element of a tables match into it. Um, of all the matches on the card, this one has the potential to maybe steal the show and be one that we're talking about after the pay-per-view as, oh my God, did you see what such and such did in that match? I think that the New Day is going to retain, but I'm not confident in making that pick because I could see Cesaro and Shinsuke going over as well because they're starting to get a little bit of a push. They're starting to get hot. Uh, They were featured prominently on SmackDown last night. Give me the New Day, um, but give me, ultimately, the big winner is going to be the fans of of, of sports, uh, of, of WWE because this is going to be one hell of a match. But give me New Day, and I think that it's going to be Big E putting Shinsuke through the table for the win. Apollo Crews versus MVP singles match for the WWE United States Championship. Um, MVP and Bobby Lashley are two of the best things in wrestling right now. I never thought in the year 2020 I would be saying that, um, but they just are. It just works. You got two heels, one who's kind of the shyster, you know, sleazebag heel and MVP. Bobby Lashley, who's the big bully heel, um, they're good on the mic. They, they've got good uh, chemistry, good charisma. Bobby Lashley's never been better. Um, and this little thing that they got going with Apollo Crews is interesting to me. I, I'm going to go MVP in the switch here. I think he's going to win the United States Championship because I think Ricochet is going to turn on Apollo Crews and build a super heel stable with MVP and Lashley. So that's my prediction there. MVP goes over based on the interference of Ricochet. 
and then MVP will have a stable with the super good worker in Ricochet, the big bully heel in Lashley, and MVP will be the sleazebag, you know, mouthpiece for them all. And that would be awfully fun to watch, quite frankly. So give me MVP in this one. And again, this is one that I'm looking forward to seeing. Bailey versus Nikki Cross uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It'll be okay because everything Bailey does is, is good because Bailey's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, her charisma is is wonderful. She's such a great heel. Never in a million years would have thought she would have been a great heel. Um, I don't like the booking of this just because Bailey and Sasha Banks have so much momentum right now that I don't think anybody in the world thinks Nikki Cross is going to take that sizzle off of the steak. Um so it's another one of those matches, kind of like McIntyre and Ziggler, which we'll talk about in a minute, where I have no doubt the work is going to be pretty good. But I just, because the outcome has already been decided, like there ain't no way Nikki Cross is winning this match. Because of that, it loses a little bit of its luster. So give me Bailey over Nikki Cross. Um, yeah, if someone takes the championship off of Bailey, uh, it ain't going to be somebody who's the, the second end of their tag team, which is what Nikki Cross is. So give me Bailey over Nikki Cross in a pretty good match. But one that I'm not altogether incredibly intrigued about. Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt in a Wyatt Swamp fight. Um, I thought when this was booked, like, hey, this is a really stupid idea. <laughs> just, just being honest, I, I wasn't crazy about it. Thought, you know, hey, this is this is really dumb. This is really cheesy. This is a... A fake wrestling thing that is not going to be exciting at all. But in the buildup, where you've got Bray Wyatt cutting promos about how he doesn't want the Fiend to come back, and the Fiend represents all the evil inside of him, and like the storytelling and all the writing inside of it has been, has been pretty good. Um, so because of that, I am looking forward to this, and I think that Strowman is going to go over again and beat Bray Wyatt. Well, you know what? No, to hell with that. I'm not even going to say that. I think that there's not going to be a clear winner in this. Because I don't think it's going to be a wrestling match. I think it's going to be one of those movies or heavily produced like a movie segment. So I don't think there's going to be a clear winner in this. I think that there's going to continue to be a little bit of doubt both ways through this. Um, but they've turned something that I was not excited about into something that I am excited about. So... Uh, they, they won me over. I'm excited to see what it is. I don't know what a white swamp fight is, but curious to tune in to find out. Oscar versus Sasha Banks for the uh, WWE Women's Championship. If I say that Bailey is one of the best wrestlers in the world, uh, then Sasha Banks is the best wrestler in the world right now. Second only to maybe Chris Jericho over in AEW. Sasha Banks is outstanding. She is a tremendous worker, tremendous gimmick, tremendous character, and is oozing with charisma. It's so easy to dislike her, but at the same time, in the back of your mind, while disliking her, you know the things that she's saying about being at an elite level are true, so it's hard to, to be a hater. It's hard to deny her. And uh, the, the team with Bailey, uh, they're rolling. They're cruising. They're on every single show. They're working two and three and four times more than everybody else in the company, so that's admirable as well. At a time in, in wrestling where so much is being altered and affected and negatively in, uh, altered and affected, they have risen to the occasion and have made themselves into stars, uh, both of them. So 
now you, you look at Sasha Banks challenging for a championship and the opportunity to to have she and Bailey hold all of the titles um, against Asuka, who is a, a tremendous worker, tremendous character. This should be the last match on the show. It's not going to be. I understand that it's not going to be. It's the horror show at Extreme Rules. The last match is going to probably be an eye for an eye match. Um, but this should be the last match on the show because it's the most interesting match on the show. It's the most interesting booking that is going to be on the show. Is Sasha going to go over and and kind of win everything with with she and Bailey? Is she going to lose? And you know, do we start the 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 heel turn or the the breakup now? How's this going to go? There's so many different ways it could play out. If it were me booking and I've already given my plan, I think Sasha should go over. I think they should rule the women's division for two months, three months, four months, having all of the titles before we kind of hint that the ship is going into uh, rough waters. But I don't think WWE is going to do that. Um, so give me Asuka going over, but give me one hell of a match. I think this is going to be one of the top shows on the card and maybe one of the top matches in all of 2020 to this point. Let's see what else we have here. We pick and choose through a lot of it. We're going to go Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship. I've been open here. I don't think Dolph Ziggler has any chance to win this. Um, there's no scenario in the year 2020 where Dolph Ziggler is the WWE Champion. And this, I got to pat myself on the back. Like 45 days ago when this pay-per-view was announced and when this match was announced, I called this on 2AT. I said the day that this was announced, or the show after this was announced, I said the outcome's not in question. Drew McIntyre is going to go over Ziggler, but Ziggler's going to do his absolute best to make an uninteresting angle into an interesting angle. And that's exactly what he's done. That's exactly what he's done. This is something that could have easily been a throwaway, but he's made it interesting enough to where it's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, McIntyre will go over. Ziggler will not win the match. But the buildup has been good enough to where now I'm excited because I want to watch Dolph Ziggler get his ass kicked because he's been such a good heel in the buildup that you know he's pulled that off. So give me McIntyre, but it it's it's played out exactly the way I thought it would, where it, you know something that is is not going to be in question, and everyone knows Drew McIntyre is going to win and retain. But but we now because Dolph Ziggler is so good at what he does. We're looking forward to watching the match just to see how bad he gets injured by Drew McIntyre whenever they finally get in the ring. The last one that we're going to talk about, it's an eye for an eye match. Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins. The match can only be won when one competitor extracts an eye from their opponent. First and foremost, I would just like to say how disgusting I think this is. Um, But I think it's going to have an opportunity to be a bit like a train wreck in that while it is awkward, while it is weird, while it is so different than anything we've ever seen before, it has an opportunity to have kind of that, that almost like a train wreck. Like I said, you, you, you don't want to look at it, but you can't look away. Um, give me Rollins over Mysterio because Mysterio's an enhancement talent at this stage in his career. He's not going over Seth Rollins in his prime. Give me Dominic turning on Rey Mysterio, joining Seth Rollins' faction and becoming a full-time competitor. I don't know what the heck is going to happen to anyone's eye, um, but I'm intrigued to watch it. So give me Seth Rollins in that one. But give me all in all a show that I think is going to be pretty damn entertaining. 
those eight matches like that, that's pretty good stuff for, for 2020 right now, given the state of wrestling. Um, that's pretty good stuff. And I know that AEW fans are going to disagree and, and say that their stuff is better, but only one tag team match. If it were an, a, if it were an AEW uh, card, they would have 10 tag team matches and only an eight match card. Um, but that's why they're going to continue to be a minor league program where WWE is the big leagues. But that's another argument for another time, another place. We're going to sign off right here. We want to thank everybody for listening. Go find us on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Your work is done at that point. You don't have to do anything else. Uh, So let us make it easier on you. Have a great weekend. We're going to maybe do a little bonus content, maybe do a little after dark after the pay-per-view. Hope you guys stay hydrated, stay safe, socially distanced, all that good stuff. God bless. Have a great weekend, everybody.